My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything. Because what we do, feel, or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? My eyes have been the most open is the different definition of happiness or success because to one person, it's just more time off so they can do a hobby or whatever it might be to another person. It's more money so they can afford to buy, you know, whatever it might be. So I think that the employees have really opened my eyes to that. Our conversation is a little different this week as there's no fall, crash or upheaval in this story. However, it is about good communication and the search for meaning and purpose. My guest on the program today is unusual in that he is younger than most. What makes him interesting is the third generation of a thriving family business and the transition between father and son was without drama. Steve Cook was born in Oklahoma and has never left. As a child he mirrored his dad and wanted to be like him. As he went to college his dad became a restaurateur and Steve followed that interest in his studies. By the time Steve was leaving college, however, the family had sold the restaurant business and bought into the family racehorse feed business. So on stepping out into the world of work, Steve considered the various options before entering the family business. There's a lot of potential baggage when it comes to working with family. Our conversation is about that journey into the business, finding his feet up to the point where he took it over. The company is one of the largest feed suppliers in the USA, and that is down to the successful working relationship between Steve and his father. We talk about his challenges and, of course, the usual five questions. Steve did not say he was passionate about horse feed, but he is passionate about business and what it takes to run it well. And that's how we met. Steve is the host of the Better Business podcast. And as for the title, Squeezing the Sponge is his view on getting the most out of life. So let's join the conversation with Steve Cook. Just a side note before we join the program, there was a slight issue with the audio quality, a little bit of dropout on Steve's voice occasionally. We've done our best with it, so I hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the program. I'm delighted to be with Stephen Cook. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I uh, had research on you so I could uh, know exactly what you talk about. You get into a little bit, a uh, uh, lot deeper topics than I do on my podcast. So I, I'm afraid that maybe I'm not a deep enough thinker for this, but who knows? We're all deep, really, you know, <laughs> we're all deep, really. It's just that the point is this podcast is about you, the person. That's the most important thing. And, you know, and that's the journey that we were all, we're all on. And yes, you're probably a little younger than most of my guests on this show. And you'll have a story. And you know, you are the third generation in a family business. And that was what intrigued me because that's something to do. It's like, you know, this program is about destiny in some way and your destiny was mapped out for you. So we're going to explore that story. So, all right, tell us your story. Where did it, I mean, where did it start? Whereabouts, whereabouts on the world are you and where did it all start for you? So I'm in basically as central of the United States as you can get. I'm a, um, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So I'm in the central part of the central state of the United States. Mm. Um, 
and uh, kind of I grew up here starting out from birth and then uh, moved all around as my dad was uh, kind of a corporate guy and moved all around as a kid and then moved back here uh, maybe in partway through grade school and uh, grew up around this area and really haven't left since probably grade school as far as, you know, living other places um, for a very long amount of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so kind of in a rural part of the United States, we're like kind of in the Midwest and uh, do a lot of uh, small schools and small towns and things like that is uh, is what Oklahoma is made up of for the most so part. I, I guess, not- I, I'm guessing being it's so central, it gets very hot and very cold. It's yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very big difference. We'll get to, uh, well over a hundred, you know, into the 105 degrees Fahrenheit during the summer. And then we'll get down to last year. We were in negative 10 for almost two weeks. It was a really cold see, you need a bit of winter sea around you, a bit of sea helps, you know, it keeps you, keeps you, it, it kind of balances. Things. <laughs> hey, stabilizes you a little bit. So what did you want to be when you were a child? What was, what was your dreams as a child? What were, you, what were the things you were into? You know, I don't know if every kid was like this, but I basically mirrored my dad's, um, whatever my dad was doing. That's what I wanted to do my whole life. Um, so as he kind of changed jobs, that's what I felt like I wanted to do. And, uh, um, I don't know if that comes from him taking to work me to to work with him or, or whatever, but, um, that seems like that was kind of my path was always to do what he wanted to do. Well, when I got into, uh, maybe junior high and high school, he started to get into the restaurant uh, business and left a corporate job and started to own his own business. And that was the most interesting to me, you know, and I don't think anybody in grade school really like thinks that deeply about what they want to do. But as I got into high school and college, I really wanted to be in the restaurant industry. Um, and uh, towards my end of my college career, he had gotten into the the feed industry and that's where um I landed into the the racehorse performance horse. Bit of a jump of from industry. restaurants to horses, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's a huge jump. On one side of the family, they had always been involved in horses, but uh, on the other side of the family, um, we had not had uh, that much of that in our uh, in our upbringing. But uh, I was always around it, you know, growing up around horses and stuff. But it's weird. I, I see I see this now the city kids always want to be the country kids. And then the country kids always want to become the city kids, you know? So I was kind of raised around horses and animals and stuff like that. So I wanted to get as far away from that as possible, uh, all growing up. The grass is always greener somewhere else, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly right. But yeah. So, I mean, what was, I mean, you've you've given me a bit of an open book here because like you say, you followed your dad, but you, you must've had some things that you enjoyed doing. You must've had some, some things that you liked. When you were younger. Yeah, I, I, I was all about sports, uh, <laughs> growing up, but as I, I got probably, I think it was my sophomore or junior year of college. I read my, I, I read a book, Paul, and, uh, even through school and all that, you know, we had to do like required reading. I would always cheat and do the, the cliff notes version, um, and get the, the summary or whatever. And I had never actually completed a book, um, till I was pretty late into college. And, uh, I read my first business book and, uh, that's where I kind of like really started to feel like I really wanted to, to have my own business. Um, and that's where my passion kind of went left sports. And I was always kind of involved in sports or wanted to have something to do with sports all growing up. Um, but I really just kind of started finding more of a passion towards business and things like that. Um, towards when I got to maybe a junior senior in college. Mm -hmm. 
So what happened? I mean, you obviously left college and went into, into, the, into the working environment. What did you go and do? Yeah. So I think that was probably one of my biggest, uh, choices, maybe my junior or senior year of college. It was kind of, that's when you really have to figure out, you know, what you want to do with your life. And, uh, um, at least in a, in a career aspect, because a lot of, uh, pressure is put on you to go to career fairs or, you know, start lining up a job for when you get out of school. Um, and I had always worked part-time through, you know, college of course, but I was trying to get that career type job, you know, Mm. And, uh, mm. as I, as I got to that, I, I kind of had a conversation with my dad about joining the family business, but that was probably one of my biggest struggles is from that point to maybe a few years after I joined the family business is, you know, and I've even said it on this already several times is I, I didn't want to live in my dad's shadow and I didn't want to be just, you know, Oh, well, your dad, you know, and I had already started getting the comments. You don't have to worry about it. You, your dad's got you a job or, or you don't have to worry about it. Your family will give you a job no matter what, or whatever it might be. And that was probably my biggest struggle, uh, trying to decide was if I take a job working for them or whatever, for a while or forever, do I ever get my, is there any point where I get recognition or I get you know, that was something that I struggled with a lot towards trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. To put it into context here, how big is the business when you were joining it? Because it's, it, it's all well joining a, you know, a, dad and, a, a dad and son business. It's quite good. But if you're joining a business with a lot of people involved. Yeah. So then, then um, you, when you arrive as the as the boss's son, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of like oh, the boss's son's arrived, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> when I first joined, it was pretty small. Um they had just taken over this. He had sold all the restaurant, his restaurant side of things and had just, um, bought this from my grandpa, which made it, you know, of course, second generation. Um, and he had bought it from my grandpa and it was, it was one location. And, um, just to put it in like revenue perspective, it was doing less than a million, maybe 700,000 in sales, something like that. Um, between there and had, you know, five to seven employees, something like that. So it was pretty small. We're now we've we'll be passing like ten million in sales this year. So we've wow. grown quite that's a bit. Lot of, that's since, a lot of oats since that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we we sell a little bit of feed. You obviously grew the business with your dad, for the sounds of it. Yeah. So he's not not involved anymore. Um, you know, we kind of had a, a trust period of uh, he was very involved when I first started. Um, you know, for a year or two, and then. Um, I think we doubled within the first year or so in sales and then continued to double and continued to double. And that's when uh, he was kind of like, the more I'm away, I think he said, the more I'm away, the better it does. So uh, I'm going to try to get away, out of your way a little bit more. So <laughs> he's never been a, which is, it was amazing. You know, he's never been a control freak or anything like that. So um, that was, that was fun to get him to say, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be involved anymore and, and uh, kind of uh, pass the reins in, in that perspective. That's that's nice, isn't it? Really, because I mean, you, you often see in terms of father and son that those relations, particularly in business, that they never want to let go, quite let go. Yeah, it was a um, you know, and and that's something I don't want to like pat myself on the back, but he, I think he did it smartly too, in the the sense that he he was very clear at communication and treated mm. me. He treated me as a son, like you know, he would be he would say you're my son. I want you to do well for you're my son, you know, but he said he would, he would treat me as an employee in the sense of, 
um, clear communication mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and I've seen that in other families that the communication is something that can really cause that tension instead of having a 10 or 20 or 45 minute discussion about, Hey, this is bothering me, or I'm worried about my future, or I feel like I'm getting ripped off. People will, you know, be scared of having a 10 minute conversation or a 20 minute bad conversation and have a two or three or 10 year relationship, you know, uh, strife that, uh, causes a riff in their family for who knows how long, because they don't want to have a 30 minute conversation. And I'm so blessed that he, he would have, you know, very tough conversations and everything we did, he would, he would ride out in an actual, you know, and it would be, we're not going to sue one another. It would just be a, this is what I'm saying. He'd write out a contract or whatever it might be of, this is what we're agreeing on. Um, you know, so he treated me as an employee in that aspect, though he wasn't like, don't call me dad or, you know, I mean, it was, it was just a very, he treated our relationship in the work environment very professionally um, and, and was overly communicative. And that was like something that I've taken. Um, I took it for granted for so long. I thought that that's how everybody did things, but now no, being older, not. I see that's, half that's the not, that's the, <laughs> the biggest problem in every business is the communication between people. And I guess one thing, one advantage you did have is that your dad bought the business from from his father and yeah. he wasn't the founder. Cause I think that's the other thing you find is when the founder has a business and he's still around, it's quite hard for the founders to let go. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that could have been um, one of the best things that maybe we had an advantage on is he wasn't, you know, I started this from the ground up. Um, so maybe that, that helped in that aspect, but yeah, I see it so often, Paul, it's, it's something that drives me crazy that people will have that inability to relinquish control or whatever. And, and it's, it's like heartbreaking because it could be such a fun, you know, me working with him or, or both of my parents, really, it was such a fun relationship because we had that easy, it was easier to talk about things or, or we've always had that clear line of communication and it, breaks my heart that some families hate each other because of work. You know, it's like, it's such a hard thing to um, see from the outside looking in of like, why don't you have a conversation and tell them why you're miserable? You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's so tough for me to, but it's a change, isn't it? Cause it's like, you know, a a small business, as you say, your business was like, you know, half a million dollars thereabouts and then $10 million. Those two businesses are very different animals. True. They're very different animals, and it, and and sometimes for the for someone involved in that, it's very hard to see that move. I, I've I yeah. spoke to so many people who who have struggled with bosses or with with people you know in business, where the the owner cannot encompass the change. They cannot encompass the growth in their heads, and so they keep trying to pull it back to what they can control, what what they re- what they recognize. So it's yeah. it's well done for for getting beyond that. I want to say well done for, for all of you to actually be able to see that. Yeah, and I try to, you know, it's one of those deals. It's like <clears throat> it's fun to like, you know, pat yourself on the back or whatever. But it's something that I I feel like, you know, I've taken for granted that I was raised not only in a great environment, but. I thought that everybody was raised talking about margin and, and P and L's and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's just something that I thought was natural. And as I got into high school, I would be talking to friends and they're like, 
I'm not really sure what my dad does. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, it just blew my mind that somebody doesn't even know what their parents do for a living, much less, you know, know the ins and outs I, of their business. I think my son could say, but I think he'd struggle to know what it is. I mean, he knows what it is, <laughs> but I think he would struggle just to work it out on some level. I think he sort of knows, but yeah, I know what you mean. I sure. Yeah, I think it's, but let's face it, most kids aren't interested in what their parents do. (laughs) That's true. That might be unique in and of itself. (laughs) So where's the passion in all of this for you? What what gets you out of bed? I think like probably my biggest thing that I'm passionate about is, this is going to blow your mind, Paul, but you know, we sell, we're one of the largest feed stores in the United States, as far as, you know, selling certain brands of feed and things like that. And I don't have any animals and, you know, people, it blows their mind that we would sell so much animal feed and, and I have recommendations and I have a degree in animal science and, you know, all these things, but I don't have an animal. And I think, you know, I found the longer and longer I go, I found that I really don't care what the business is for some reason. I have a passion in business, just like talking about how people make money. And I don't know, it's not a vain, you know, deal that I care a lot about money. It seems like it's just, it interests me just like history interests some people and just like, you know, cars interest some people. I don't know why, but just like the history of businesses and a business owner's history or whatever it might be, something about business, just the way that people can figure out creative ways to make money is, is fascinating to me. And that's probably my biggest passion. And so really, you know, the feed store is a, is an ends to a mean to be a business, you know, and I think it's a great, it's a great business and it's, it's uh, got a lot of advantages that you have pretty low amount of employees for the, the volume of, of, uh, revenue that you can do and stuff like that. You know, I think a lot of the headaches, it's great people to work with. It's usually down to earth people and, you know, as far as customers go, but I, I, I truly, I don't know. I, I just have like a weird, you know, it was just a, I don't know if it was my upbringing or my, uh, my, uh, nature or my nurture or whatever it was, but I have that, um, knack for enjoying th- talking about business. So the question for me, have you, have you ever struggled? In business? Well, has your family ever struggled? Have you, I mean, because it sounds like your father's always been quite successful. Has there been struggle? Um, Have you experienced struggle in terms of that shit? We we got bills to pay and we can't, we ain't got the money for it. So financially, I know probably until high school, we, and I, you know, obviously you're not going to tell a grade school kid. No, obviously (laughs) you're you're not. You're back in. You're you're, you're aware of it, aren't you? You you, you can sense it. And looking back, I think that there was times when he, when he left the corporate job to start the mm-hmm. own business, their own business and things like that. There was times that, uh, I, I remember my parents have always had a great relationship, um, and never been divorced or anything like that. But I remember, you know, the where's mom. Oh, she's driving around. You know, I mean, there was some fights and some, uh, I know that there was all sorts of financial strain and, and relationship strain and, um, you know, we didn't, we weren't allowed to go to gas stations. We weren't allowed to go out to eat. Um, I mean, I, I know that there was some very incredibly tight times. Now we always had a roof over our head and mm. stuff like that, but all three kids shared a bedroom in a 800 square foot house at one point. I mean, you know, so we were not, um, I would not say very financially successful. 
um, for a long time, but, um, definitely by the time we got to high school, um, you know, we were, I would say middle to upper middle class. I would say, you know, by the time I got into high school, I asked this question because the, you, you are fascinated by the, by the process of business. And I tend to find people, um, like you have never experienced, never been without money. So money's not relevant to you in some ways. It's, it, it's just a way of keeping score. Yeah. And so what happens is because you've got your mindset doesn't actually deal with that. Like you don't have to struggle around this. So, well, you know, I'll just do business and I'll just make more money. Yeah. And, and that's the difference, I think. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy, Paul, is, is <clears throat> I almost, and I know this is going to sound crook or not crooked, but this is going to sound so weird, but you know, it always makes you wonder like, what is the other half? What does it feel like to not have money or what does it feel like to have money or whatever? You know, shit. everybody always wonders. I can tell you, like it's shit. It's total shit. <laughs> the other, yeah. The other side is it's like, I don't know if that's something that is, um, how do you, how do you know that? Is it because I've, I've been raised around it or is it because, um, of a, I guess it, it goes back to the nature or nurture thing. I wonder why that is that I enjoy talking about that, you know, or, or doing business things and stuff like that. I don't know if it's because I was raised around it or because that was you you've know, seen, something you've in seen my the journey. You've been, you've, you've seen the journey, you've been exposed to it. You've, you've had this mindset built around it. You, you know, you've seen the success that your father did and, and in, in what he did and you've seen the, the struggles he had, maybe not aware of them, but you've seen them. Yeah. And you've got to the point where you can go through that. Um, you know, that, and that, that's just it, really. It's just it's it's the luck of the cards that you had. I mean, something like yeah. I've, I've worked with some businesses that were very marginal. Uh, and I've got some friends who had a business a couple of years ago and they were so tired. They went into receivership with that business and it was the biggest mistake they ever did. They're being chased. And like, uh, you know, they went into receivership with a massive order book. They had money, but they just didn't have the energy and the, the, they didn't have the cash flow to satisfy the orders they had. They had nearly a million pounds of orders sitting on the table, but they couldn't find anyone even any money to, to actually do it. Huh. You know, that's the absurdity of it, really. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I've known some people that are, really have suffered with, with chasing or trying to put the money side right. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I don't know the answer. It's either one or the other, really. I and mean, it's about at the end of the day, it's about mindset. If their mindset yeah. was in the right place, they could have got through that. But their mindset wasn't. Yeah. And, and you know, do you think that? You know, oftentimes I've wondered, like with employees and stuff like that. Do you think that, let's say, percentages? Because obviously, I think you know when you look at somebody like me, was I? was I given a way better opportunity than a lot of people? Yes. I, you know, <laughs> so did that give me a leg up to, you know, jump higher? Of course, I don't deny that a bit, you know, and I, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I don't deny that though. Um, but let's say that I was, I was homeless when I graduated from high school and had, <laughs> you know, nothing. Do you think that I would go from zero to, let's say, let's say I was in the same business. Do you think I would go from zero to maybe 1 million? And that would be an incredible feat going from zero. You know what I'm saying? Um, but do you think, I guess what I'm, my question is, is that I know that people have different launching pads, but do you think that no matter where somebody is at in life, the mindset that they would be successful or successful, or do you think that a launching pad 
you know, if I didn't have that launching pad and of course, you know, just talking about me is an easy example, but do you think if somebody doesn't have a launching pad that they're doomed for failure? Or do you think that a launching pad is just a place where you start or go for it? It's a bloody good question, isn't it really? And and there are several ways of answering it really. I mean, there's got to be opportunity around you, hasn't there? That's the point. There's got to be opportunity. Uh, So that's the thing. And you've got to have access to that opportunity. There are tons of opportunities around us, but it's like, and it's getting harder and harder to find the audience. You know, once upon a time, you could go and knock on doors and get a job. You can't do that anymore. You go and bang on doors, get a job. Yeah, feel like, you know, you go online. You, 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 you'd find it really <laughs> hard to go and get a job these days without actually having an address and a phone. Yeah. It's a very different world. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that one. I, you know, I think, I think you've got to look at it from a perspective of other countries, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's another deal, too. Like, America might be completely different than, you know, a lot of other different countries. And, and I don't know how, you know, the, uh, I know that the, uh, class, you know, when you're talking about lower class, middle class, upper class or whatever, however you, um, different countries call them. I know that that matters too, um, depending on what country you're from and stuff, but. I mean, being on this podcast has given me an opportunity to talk to people from all over the world. And I haven't spoken to enough people from other cultures. I mean, I spoke to people from Australia and, and the U S Canada and the UK, and a couple of Indians, but not enough people from other cultures, I think. I think it's very hard in those other cultures, in particularly in likes of you know, where poverty is normal. Sure. That's, that's difficult. Yeah. Because you're with a bigger audience, you know, fighting over the same stuff. You're all looking for that opportunity. Exactly. I don't I, I, I know where I've answered that is it really? I think mindset is everything. I mean, if you've got the right mindset, then what happens is if you're not making it somewhere else, you move, don't you? Physically get up and go somewhere else. Yeah. And there's the thing, you are you and I have the opportunity to go anywhere we like, pretty much. Sure. I have less opportunity now after Brexit, but you you you, you know, <laughs> once upon a time I could go all across Europe and do what I like. Now I can't. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can, but it's a lot harder now than it was. Of and, course. Yeah. You know, and you can go all over the US. So you've got opportunity yourself. You're, you've got mobile, you know, you've got you've got mobility and you can go where the money is. Exactly. You go to a place like China, you can't. You can't leave one city to another without permission, pretty much, as a Chinese person. Yeah. You can't get into Shenzhen. It's a, it's a locked border. I mean, Shenzhen is an amazing, huge uh, city. But because everyone wants to get into Shenzhen to make money, they, lo- they, keep, the lo- they keep the locals out. You know, you, you can't come yeah. in. Yeah, they yeah. have to. Otherwise, a billion people would turn up at his door. You know, it's, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think where you're from might might make an incredible, you know, and that's, that's the thing, man. I, 50% I, I, of your battles were won before you were born. That's so true. That's true. That's, so, all right. I mean, clearly you've, you've been successful. You've got this amazing opportunity around you and you are, you know, you're making the most of it and you are thoroughly enjoying it. So how do you define success these days for you? What does that mean to you? I think what, what maybe stresses me out about success is that idea of, I'm not bashful about admitting the amount of opportunities that I've been given. And the thing that I think is the most heavily defined or the, the best way to define success in my mind is the idea of a sponge and, you know, is my sponge at the end of my life or, you know, whatever you want to call it completely dry and, you know, mine might be a lot heavier than a lot of people or however you want to define it. But I guess what stresses me out is <laughs> if I build this business to what it, 
whatever size it becomes or, or whatever it might be as far as financial success is I still have to deal with, yeah, but your parents or yeah, but your grandparents or yeah, but your, you know, and that's, and that is something that success might be very hard to achieve in a financial capacity. But I guess my biggest thing about success is fulfilling every opportunity I have as much as possible, whether that's financially or with my family or, you know, in a spiritual aspect or, you know, even physically or whatever, you know, being successful and not being a 400 pound guy or whatever, you know? So I think the opportunities that I have with health, you know, in, in, in living a healthy lifestyle or whatever it might be is fulfilling as much as the opportunities as I have. And I'm, I'm not only blessed in that, but I've, I've always, or for the most part been healthy and, you know, I've have a lot of other blessings too, in that aspect. So I think as far as success goes, that's what I would, I would say is, is squeezing the sponge completely <laughs> dry. It's a, good, you know? it's a good phrase. Squeezing the sponge dry is a good phrase. And I, and I, yeah, yeah. It has a kind of different, you're basically taking every opportunity, getting everything out of possibility. Yeah. I can see that. And so for everyone, it's going to be different, right? I mean, you know, everybody has a different size sponge or whatever it might be, but um, squeezing The most important sponge. thing about it for me about success is that you know what it is for you. Exactly. And it's, and it's your metric. That's the most important thing to me is it must be your metric. I have met a lot of people that were incredibly successful. When they got there, they realized it wasn't what they wanted in the first place. I was supposed to be happy when I arrived here. Why am I not happy? <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. it wasn't your success model. It was someone else's. Oh, yeah. You're squeezing the wrong sponge. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, you know, like my old MD wanted a particular car. When he got the car, it was, a, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and, worst exactly. of, and worst of it, it cost him seven and a half grand a year in tax. <laughs> And it, and it spent every weekend sitting in the warehouse because he because he couldn't fit his grandkids inside it. So it was only a two seater two seater soft top thing that he really was dreaming to have. He got this car. It was a Porsche Boxer or something. I don't know. And he got this car and he, and he, and it was fun for the first two months. Then he got how many speeding fines he got, and it was and it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And and right, it, was, it was success for a while because he got he he always wanted it and he achieved it. But the trouble is, it cost him a lot of money and a lot of hike. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's crazy to me is like that sounds zero fun to me. A certain car or driving fast or whatever it it appeals nothing to me. And I think employees have taught me more about that than anything because with employees you're trying to make them happy, right? So they'll continue to work for you. Well you give one employee more money and they're tickled pink and they're happy. And then you give another employee more money and they don't care. They just wanted a vacation or they don't care. They just wanted recognition or they just wanted a handwritten note from you or whatever. That's what's blown my mind is, or really opened my eyes with this idea of success or it's really, I mean, success is also happiness, right? I mean, it's kind of, it goes hand in hand and that's where I've, my eyes have been the most open is every the different definition of happiness or success because to one person, it's just more time off so they can do a hobby or whatever it might be to another person. It's more money so they can afford to buy, you know, whatever it might be. So I think that the employees have really opened my eyes to that. 
it, it touched on an interesting subject that that thing because it's this thing about you know what are humans for in a way and and if you'd have asked that question like like 60 years ago or something or sort of like, you know maybe 70 years ago you know most people would have would have stuck by their priest the answer from the priest which is the glorification of god so most people spent their lives looking to do things within the context of their community within their church within within, within that context and as religion has ceased to have as much relevant i mean it's still relevant for people i preach people still have beliefs but even though they still have beliefs they don't hold god in such quite high esteem as they once did because they're all looking to be happy if you genuinely just were into the glorification of god you'd be happy anyway so what yeah. happens is we're now all seeking this thing that we can't really identify happiness and as you as you discover for some people it's more time off some people it's more money for some people it's a note some people and that's that's the journey that we're on we're in this weird place now where where humanity doesn't quite know what it wants and i think uh have you read the book the happiness advantage i know of it sean anchor isn't it yeah yeah yes i do know so he talks about gratitude yeah and he talks about not only I can't remember the exact phrase that he uses, but when you boil it down, like all the the studies of why is this third world country happier than one of the wealthiest cities in the America or whatever, you know, he studies all these different phenomenons of why, how could this person or this group of people, when you look at them, be happier than this other group? Because from the outside looking in, it looks like they've got everything they would ever want, you know, and I can't remember how he phrases it, but when you boil it all down, it it was something like the pursuit of something or trying to, you know, in it, it basically, if you think about it in this way, it's like working. You're working towards something makes you the happiest. And I think that boils down to, I mean, I'm a I'm a God-believing person. And I think that that idea that you're talking about, that can make somebody happy is pursuing God. But what you're doing is is you're working, you're working at trying to improve your life or be a more moral person or be, you know, more active in your church or whatever it might be. But also you can also pursue other, th- other things, right? <laughs> you know, your hobbies or your business or your, you know, I think that pursuing something or working at something gives somebody a sense of satisfaction, whether that's your job or whatever, and that can make you happy. Yeah, we have to have some opposition. It's like you, know, you you don't go to the golf course and get eighteen holes in one and go, oh, I'll do that again tomorrow. Yeah, you you, yeah. you, you kind of want to perfect the swing, and it becomes kind of a, a thing. Struggle. You need a little bit of struggle. You, you need know, a bit of struggle your... to make you to appreciate the journey. Absolutely. It seems Absolutely. counterintuitive. Which, right? Which, I mean, that's... which is quite interesting in terms of yourself. You know, you know, where is your struggle, my friend? <laughs> Maybe that's why I like business so much because I get my teeth kicked. At, I get, you know, I get embarrassed or get, you know, disappointed or whatever in new, new ideas and stuff like that. Now I try not to over leverage myself where it puts me out of business or go bankrupt or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I do enjoy, you know, challenge challenges and competing with other businesses. And, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, um, struggle in that way, I guess you could say now I want to win, but, um, that is a struggle. Uh, I guess you could say on a, on a small micro level. Yeah, indeed. 
So it is this fascinating conversation and we could go in all sorts of rabbit holes. I need to be careful with this one. So I'm going to pull us back into back onto the, to the target at this point. Get us back on track. Uh, so what is it? How do you see contribution? I mean, you make good feed for horses. I agree. Horses are happy because you exist. Sometimes. And horse ride. You know, people who own horses are happy because you exist. That's obvious. But what else do you do? It's a good question. You know, I think contribution, if you had to boil it down kind of goes back to that idea of success that Mm. it can mean different things for different people. Um, you know, if I think about what have you contributed the most, it would be other people's jobs would be probably the biggest Mm -hmm. thing in not only employees, but all of the people, I think about all the people we buy from. Um, and I mean, we have probably 30 different sales reps who, you know, of them, maybe five of them were their biggest accounts and things like that. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know. I think contribution kind of comes back to that same deal. It's, it's different things for different people. Um, what it does depends it mean? on what is what... it for you though? How do you see yourself contributing to the world? You may yeah. have to think about that one by the, by the sounds of it. <laughs> I got to think about that. Okay. Um, I mean, I know you do contribute because obviously you, as you say, you, you employ people, you've built a business, you, you do stuff, you have a podcast, you do things in the world and you share your knowledge. So clearly you do contribute. And it's about you recognizing those contributions. I think. What about contributing? What about contributing to yourself? I think contributing to myself, like where I am the happiest is when I'm you know, and Paul, I can't remember if I read this in a book or I heard it on a seminar or whatever, but you know what? I think it, um, do you remember Tony Robbins or do you know Tony of Tony mm-hmm. Robbins yeah. a speaker? He said one, it was a, a practice or whatever you could do when you think about your life, you know, 30 years from now, and you think about your ideal life <clears throat> and whether you write it down or just think about it or whatever, but you are the happiest when you are going towards that ideal life. And at any time, if somebody is not happy, it's because they found like they're not, they've either had something that's blocking them from getting to that, or um, they've got this idea that they might, might not ever be able to achieve that. And I think contributing myself is there's a lot of things that I want to do. And when I, when I'm going towards my ideal life and, you know, without getting it too into the specifics that that's where I'm the happiest or contributing myself is, is working towards that and, and trying to get closer and closer to that. Um, and that's where I feel like I'm the happiest. The other side of contribution to me is also about self-care. How do you look after yourself? How do you value yourself? That's contribution to me, to you. I think looking after myself, um, I think about my, um, moral, Hmm. part of my life that, um, (laughs) you know, not getting, this sounds weird, but not getting too wrapped up in myself that I'm checking myself, you know, am I helping other people? Am I, um, being a good husband? Am I being a good father? Am I, um, I think that that's probably one of the best things that I, um, have to check myself constantly. Um, but as far as self-care, um, I find myself out in where there's no away from technology and things like that. I do a lot of camping trips and, mm. and hunting trips and stuff like that. That's probably where I'm the, the happiest um, contributing to myself or self-care or whatever it might be um, is doing things like that. 
Yeah, I mean, we all have to find our own route through. You know, for me, my, my routines is a, is a daily routine. I do various things in the day to make sure that I keep my mind focused on what I need to keep it on and to keep myself healthy. And what I fa- found, and I work on my own, I work, I, I live on my, I live with a family, but you know, I I, I spend a lot of, of time in my own company. And what I found is that I can get, if I have a day which doesn't quite work, I can find myself sliding down the slope in terms of, of my own good thinking. So I have to have a process which keeps me moving upwards. That's, that's me. That's how I work. So, and each of us has our own, our own process, our own systems. I think, and two, it's probably your state, you know, you probably have to challenge yourself to talk to people more or to reach out to other people or, you know, working by yourself all the time, you probably have to almost go the other way where I never sit in silence or never have a moment of silence beyond, you know, unless it's very intentional. Um, so I, it's probably a little bit of balance too, that you always have to balance whatever you, you know, the opposite of what you deal with the most. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So what's the one question you like people to ask you? I think that probably (laughs) the one question that I'm the most comfortable with, there's probably the most question, question I'm the most comfortable with and the question that I wish people would ask me the most. But the question I'm most comfortable with is I love talking about business so much that I love when people ask me a question about their business or um, not necessarily even my business, but I love learning about other people's businesses like I talked about. And I'm the most comfortable um, or enjoy talking about that question the most. Um, You know, probably a question that would be the most uncomfortable is something that along the lines of what we talked about earlier with that idea of success or whatever it might be that we talked about earlier is what have I done or what am I responsible for? Or, you know, when you talked about that idea of like struggle, that's almost like an uncomfortable conversation for me. Um, you know, it's because how can, you know, I guess my biggest thing with that is without giving everything I have away and, and forcing myself to be homeless, there is no way for me to know if anything I did is because of myself, right? <laughs> there's, there's this no is way why, for me to ever This know. is why you find a lot of people who are very big entrepreneurs who, who, have, who have made lots of money, they, they t- tend to do physical trials. They tend to push their body huh. through something because they're looking for the struggle. Hmm. You find a lot of really what, what I've noticed is a lot of the entrepreneurs that I meet are endurance runners or they do some kind of endurance work, something which really pushes them. Yeah. It's a really good observation. And I think humans need it. I think that's, that's the problem. I think we need to have this sense of that. I will, I will push my body. I will make myself do this. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, that's something, you know, it kind of goes back to the happiness deal is I think that that's something that everyone needs. Have you read the book, The Comfort Crisis? No, I, have, I haven't, but I know what it's about. I, I know it's, exactly what it's about. I think we are you know, all, and, too, and that's, we're all too bloody comfortable. Absolutely. That's kind of the, the, the outline of his book. And I'm only I'm reading it right now, which is why <laughs> I, it, I thought about it. 
I'm only about halfway through, but that's kind of his plea throughout the whole book is we not only have an air conditioned environment, we have a padded bed that we sleep on. We sit in padded chairs all day. We have padded shoes. We have, you know, even when you try to make yourself struggle, like you were talking about working out or whatever, you go to a climate controlled building to work out or, you know, and, um, and I think that that's, that's something that, uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is this idea of comfort and, and pushing yourself mentally or physically or whatever it might be. I mean, the, um, you know, the, uh, Wim Hof and his cold therapy. I mean, I, 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 I can't even get myself near turning the shower to cold. I'm sorry. It's just, my hand doesn't go that way on the shower but i know people that do and they say once you get used to it and do it every day it is an amazing experience and then so well okay maybe it is uh and i'll get there maybe one day you know but hey yes yeah yeah i know answer i mean i run so that's my that's my endurance so you know what is it that you i mean so you obviously you have the feed company and but you obviously can't sell feed all over the world so what is it that you do what makes you and you, obviously you have a podcast as well and you're fascinated by business what is it that you do and my listeners might be interested in you know it kind of goes back to the the um the deal with businesses i really see it as a hobby and so the the podcast is really a hobby i have no <laughs> I have no way to, to, uh, profit financially from it. Um, but I, I enjoy it so much, um, talking to other people that have businesses or have, you know, anything that could help somebody in business is kind of the idea of the podcast. Um, and that's probably the, the biggest thing that I have that is a, a passion of mine, um, that can be access to people outside of, you know, 20 miles from our store, like we do with the feed. Um, that's probably one of the biggest passions that I have, um, around what I'm doing right now. Um, that's, that's, uh, accessible from outside of a 20 mile radius of central Oklahoma. And what's the podcast called? Podcast called the better business podcast. Um, I have my name in there with Steve cook, but, uh, I think if you do the better business podcast, it's pretty easily found that way. Did you look for another B to try and get you know, a better business podcast or a bit of alliteration? I know. I wanted it to be a cool name, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was, I started well, it's quite it out good. called... It's quite a good better business podcast. It does have a nice, and it has a nice cadence to it. Du-du-du-du-du. Yeah. It kind of uh, rolls off the tongue. I started out chatter with Steve and uh, I just felt like it was like too generic, you know, because all I talked about was business. And so... I think, I, you need to, tight, I think the good thing up. is it says it does what it says in the tin, as they say in this country. You know I mean? <laughs> Do you have exactly. That? Do you have that in your country? It does what it says in nope, the tin? No, we don't have that. We don't okay. have that. It's a, it's, a, it's a very famous paint brand, and it's a, it does what it says in the tin. Hmm. So there you go. I might, I might uh, steal that from you. Or maybe <laughs> it's not, steal it's that from mine. your country. It's, there, it like... it's not there. It's, it's there. Uh, you might have a problem with that one. It's a tagline for a, for a paint company. There you go. <laughs> So Steve Cook, well, oh, well, well, we'll put the links. If you want to find out Steve's podcast, check out that name, which is Better Business Podcast. And if you want to look for the links for that, they will be in the show notes for this for this podcast. So you can find them there. And that's at lifepassionandbusiness.com. So we reach our last question, which is the big one. What's the meaning of life, Steve? Why are we here? And if you are a Bible-believing person, I think the Bible talks about it and I think it I think it correlates with not only a Bible believing person but I think it correlates with everybody um and the 
passage I'm talking about is to um, fear God and keep his commandments is what the book of Ecclesiastes talks about. But I think that that's what makes people the happiest and what makes people feel like they have a fulfilled life. Um, there's a book written, um, that was that interviewed people on their deathbed, um, and talked about some of the regrets that they had. Mm. And I think that the biggest thing that people, and obviously I don't know, Paul, right. I'm a young person, so I have to speak from where I'm at right now. You have, you know, from what you, because it will change. The meaning of life will change all the time. Like every, all these answers will change. I'd come back to you in 10 years time. You'll have a completely different conversation, but you know, it's like, where are you now? What is the meaning of life for you at this moment in time? I think it's to, you know, squeeze that sponge as much as possible. Mm. And what that does is that prepares you for the afterlife. (laughs) you know, whether that's, um, morally in your religion or whether that's, you know, if you think that life is all about business, whatever, whatever it is for you, I think that that's probably what is going to make the meaning of life would be whatever can make you the happiest in this life. And I think that that's what would make people the happiest in this life. And, um, Oftentimes that's spending time with family and that's spending time, you know, doing things that are selfless, um, is what's weird is that is what seems to make people the happiest when you look at (laughs) interviews of older people. And that's all that I have to go off of is, you know, things that older people than me have said. And, um, at this point, that's kind of what I go off of is, is preparing yourself for the end of this life is what the meaning of life is, is to prepare yourself for the, the next life or the afterlife or whatever you want to call it, um, is what would make you the happiest. Steve Cook, thank you so much for the time with me today. It's been a joy to talk to you. All the best. My yep. friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having, having me on and, uh, we'll have to get you on, on my podcast. Surely, you know, a little bit about business. Thank you very much. All the best. Thanks, Paul. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Steve Cook. Now, of course, you can't buy horse feed unless you are in Oklahoma, but you can connect with Steve and his Better Business podcast. You can find him at stevecook.com. You can find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook and on YouTube. Now, all those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, You don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions, ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery. And it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. 
Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it for me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.